You're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and fan-sided Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. That's AJ cracking open a can of whiskey. We're about 40 hours to go until the 2021 NFL Draft commences. The Bears have a first-round pick for the first time in two years and for the fourth time in, no, the fifth time in seven years with Ryan Pace as general manager. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Barely Hibernating Podcast. You know us. We're the voices behind the show. I'm your host, Usaid Coach. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Usaid Coach. I have my left and right hand guys in the house today. Work has obviously been super exhausting for all of us. So Sam Stevenson's here. You can follow him on Twitter at SJSteve9. And AJ Desai's in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ Desai4. Guys, what's going on, man? I'm excited because the Bears finally have a first strong pick but i'm also going to temper expectations because we all know what happens when the bears have first round picks yeah i mean again taking away everything that the bears need to do in this draft what could end up happening the highs and lows of it all it is going to be exciting to be in thursday night and to actually watch the draft with a little bit more at stake um i'll go to aj because i don't really have much more to add there but i'm excited just as a nfl fan but as a bears fan and someone who covers the bears I'm kind of with you. You said I'm a little just want to remain as neutral as possible and not get my expectations too high up. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right there with you, Sam. You know, obviously, as a Bears fan and stuff, it's just really hard to like try to like predict what player they're going to try to get if it's your favorite player or if it's your, like your least favorite player, you know. So I'm just going to go into this draft and just like just take it from a neutral um, expectation standpoint because like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to expect this team to like, go out and trade up for Justin Fields. I'm not going to expect them to go out, trade up for Trey Lance and all of that. Just show me. Show me on draft day around 8.20 p.m. that you actually went up and did that. Because all this stuff that, that people are writing, it's all false hope. It's all prediction. It's all meat that you throw against the wall and see if it sticks. That's beautifully said. Absolutely beautifully said. Let's get into it, you said. What's on, what's on the agenda first? I think before we get into kind of some of the draft talk, um, we should probably talk a little bit more about some of the smaller Bears news that happened today. Um, Roquan Smith had his fifth-year option picked up. Um, AJ, I don't know about you, but did it seem like it was almost like hidden in that Ian Rappaport tweet? Yeah, it really did. I mean, like, you know, it was that that final line in the whole thing. I mean, like, it was just like some other player. And then, you know, what happened was at the bottom of the tweet, it's just, oh, the Bears just exercised the fifth-year option on Roquan Smith, not not like he's, like, an important player in the league or anything. And this is not biased or anything. I think Roquan Smith is one of the mer- one of the best emerging players taken in the 2018 draft, I want to say. I can't remember. I can't remember correctly. But, yeah, um, you know, there's not that much, um, you know, shout-out or appreciation for Roquan, which I thought that was kind of weird, you know, just, like, giving him only, like, six words. I mean – Come on, he's a first-round pick, you know? Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's like, when I read the tweet, it was like, oh, I thought of Mika Fitzpatrick, because that's who the tweet was about. And yeah. it, like, it felt like Rappaport like, forgot to do it, and then last minute threw it in there instead of just mm-hmm. doing a separate tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, again, I, I, I agree with you on that point. Like, Roquan, been, Roquan Smith has been one of the most productive players for the Bears since he was drafted. Um, according to OverTheCap.com, his fifth-year option is going to be roughly $9.7 million. So the Bears get another year out of probably the anchor of that defense, arguably. And, and listen, Roquan definitely gets slept on a lot. I mean, he 
arguably should have been a all pro this year and he wasn't. And that's very frustrating as a Bears fan, seeing him have so much success. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, I know you just cut out a little bit, but we were just discussing the uh, Roquan Smith fifth year option being exercised. Wanted to get some of your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, honestly, let's be real. I mean, Roquan Smith picking up his fifth year options a no brainer. The guy outside the Bears fan base gets disrespected so much. But at the end of the day, picking up his fifth year option, it's good because this is so he's the fourth first round pick that Ryan Pace had and the last first round pick that the Bears had. What's kind of sad is picking up his fifth year option is great and all, but then when you look at it, like the other three first round picks that Ryan Pace has had, none of those guys have gotten second contracts with the Bears. And while Roquan Smith's now going to be under contract until 2023, I mean, it just shows you how bad Ryan Pace has been in the first round. Okay, Kevin White didn't pan out because of injuries. Well, that's great. This is a guy, he was a player that played at some Juco college before transferring to West Virginia. Leonard Floyd, right. Leonard Floyd, you went ahead and you picked up his fifth-year option only to cut him a year, not even a year later. Why? Because you paid $70 million to Robert Quinn. Now, I, for one, would have been so much more fine with paying Leonard Floyd $13.2 million a year yeah. an extension than paying Robert Quinn the $70 million. Mitch Trubisky, again, another guy, very obvious going into last year. We knew they were never going to pick up his fifth-year option. Roquan Smith's been your only guy that's going to get a second contract. And for the Bears, they're not going to send Roquan Smith this offseason. They're going to extend him next offseason to lower the cap hit in 2022, lower it in potentially 2023 as well. But it's just like, like it goes to show, man, this is just how bad it is with the Bears, with Ryan Pace. I mean, seven seasons in, yeah, you didn't have two first-round picks because you traded away those to the Raiders for Khalil Mack. But then again, it's just like, okay, Roquan Smith gets slept on, and he's the only one that honestly is deserving of a second contract, and he should get the second contract. And something tells me that it's just best for the Bears to ink him to an extension before a guy like Devin White or a guy like Devin Bush or even Tremaine Edmonds ends up getting their contract extension because the Bears can get Roquan at a bargain price. It's just going to be a matter of, hey, can they ink him to an extension before the Bills ink Tremaine Edmonds to an extension? Because these guys were both drafted in the same draft class, and one is going to set the bar for the other. Yeah, well said. And uh, people aren't even going to know that you were cut out for part of that um, because I was able to filibuster long enough. Um yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much else to add. Um, I agree with you on the Roquan extension. I don't imagine it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I mean, we're probably going to get a Roquan extension before we get an Allen Robinson extension anytime soon. But, hey, what else is new with the Bears? Extending their defensive players to these huge contracts before addressing key needs on the offense. And uh, that's why Andy Dalton's getting paid $10 million a year. So, But happy for Roquan. Glad he's going to be a Bear again. And excited to see him play. Uh, I know he ended, he ended the season the way he didn't want to. And... I think was definitely missed in that Saints playoff game for sure. Um, but I have nothing else to add to the Roquan uh, uh, exercise, exercising excuse me, of the fifth-year option, unless, AJ, you want to throw anything else in there? Yeah, I mean, just agreeing with you two. I mean, honestly, it's too early for an extension for Roquan Smith. I think the idea is to, you want to pick up the fifth-year option and actually try to negotiate in that fifth year. Uh, that's what teams usually do when they're fi- when they're picking up that fifth-year option, and it really means that they're indicating to negotiate with the player in their fourth or fifth year, so it just gives them an extra year to think about what they want to do with Roquan Smith. I mean, like the ideal situation is to extend him, but you want to do it before those Devin White deals come in, before those Traymond Edmund deals come in, because you know why? Because those two players are going to recal- recalibrate the market. 
So uh, when that happens, you're gonna you're gonna be forced to pay the average that what Devin White got. You're gonna be forced to pay the average of what Tremaine Edmonds got, and like the average is gonna be like twenty one, twenty two million dollars by then. So I mean, you have the ability to you know check out the futuristics and go from there. But you know, I don't see the Bears doing it because you know obviously they have money tied up in other places of the team, um, and I think the extension is actually going to happen in his fifth year, actually, which is, um, which is where his fifth year option is picked up. Similar to like where, I mean, this is a trade, but Khalil Mack was, um, was basically traded to Chicago and the bears picked up his uh, fifth year option and then extended him after that. So, I mean, um, different situation, but I think, you know, the bears just might do it in his fifth year. Hey, the bears pay their linebackers. We'll say mm-hmm. that much. They, do. they pay their linebackers. They do. They pay their linebackers, and yes, they do, but it's still not an excuse for the fact that pretty much everyone on this roster has gotten extensions or money of some sort mm-hmm. besides Allen Robinson. And that's not that. So, Allen Robinson got the Brian Piccolo Award today. And he, someone asked again about his contract, and he was just like, hey, look, whatever happens, happens. If you missed the press conference, it's up on YouTube. Speaking of press conferences, Ryan Pace had a presser today. He honestly didn't say much from. All the information and stuff that I gathered, the stuff that I was hearing, it was, again, more so, and if you missed it, we'll recap it for you real quick. It was one of those annual pre-draft pressers just talking about, uh, hey, listen, this is our not our approach going into the draft, but this is the way we view the draft. And one quote that stuck out to me was talking pace talking about how the depth of this quarterback class is better compared to years past i think when you look at it let's be honest man i mean 2017 you had three first round quarterbacks 2018 you had five first round quarterbacks 2019 you had jones and dwayne hoskins which 2019 is going to go down as the worst quarterback class of the 2010s by the way because let's be real like the only one that was as bad was probably 2013 2014 and then Twenty. So getting into the 2020s, you had Herbert, Tagovailoa, you had Joe Burrow, three guys that are going to be really solid in the AFC. Now 2021, you have everyone knows Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson at one and two. Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones as well. But then you have this other tier of quarterbacks, which includes Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman. And when Pace is talking about quarterback depth, he's specifically referring to Mon, Newman, Trask. Sam Ellinger, even Felipe Franks, a whole bunch of these other guys that are going to be available on day two and day three. And Sam, I'll go to you here. What were your thoughts on Pace's QB depth comment? Uh, It felt like he was a prisoner and that he was reading off of a script or else he was going to get taken away. I've been seeing some stuff on Twitter, how basically the McCaskies don't feel comfortable with Pace moving up in the draft and may not allow him to. If that's the case, and he's going to really be fixated on these guys like Trask, Mond, Newman, what was the point of bringing him and Nagy back? Because if you wanted to rebuild the roster, you could have just blown it up at the end of the season. You could have come in and said, you know what? We need to, we need to restart. We need to gut this roster. Um, I believe it was John Buffon we had a while ago said it perfectly. He's like, this roster is built for a rebuild. And, and the reality is, is that this is just another example of the Bears not having a true sense of direction, right? The fact that Pace is talking about this, this second round draft class, and listen, if you want to draft a quarterback on day two, like that's, that's, you know, teams do that when they have something established at quarterback, or they do that when they feel nervous about something at quarterback, or they're just doing it because you're addressing the most important position in football. But for the bears to go into the draft this year, thinking that a guy like Mond or Davis Mills is going to come in and have some serious impact. They're not saving Ryan Pace's job. Ryan Pace isn't going to wager his job on Andy Dalton. 
But if the Bears aren't going to let Pace go after the guys in the draft this year that can save his job, I'm talking Lance, I'm talking Fields, I'm even talking Mac Jones. Again, what was the point of bringing those two back? What was the point of bringing this quarterback or this quarterback whisperer and this GM who's, who's aggressive in the draft back for another year when your roster is already going to collapse in the next few years anyway? So again, it just felt like Pace was was a prisoner of the moment. And AJ, I'll go to you because I don't really have anything else to add to that point. But very frustrating from what I watched a little bit of, and and I actually followed along a little bit with you said's commentary on it and stuff. But I just I don't know. It's, it's just, again, another reason why the Bears just seem like they're in the middle ground. They're one step behind and one's not one step forward. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll just sprinkle some um, dipping dots on top of that ice cream for you. Um, basically, the whole thing, Sam, is that – or sprinkles on top of the ice cream. Oh, that was good. Yeah. I mean, I uh, love dipping dots. You know, this strawberry flavor is just amazing. But um, anyways, going back to the Bears, it's just, you know, like I – like exactly, Sam. You hit it on the nail. And like you know, like if if the if the ownership is like really like hesitant for Ryan Pace to trade up, then why'd you even bring him back? Like you know, I think like you know that whole rumor about them signing Straker extensions. It's slowly becoming true. Like I think they did, and like you know now the Bears are in a place where they have these guys like four more years, and they can't cut him because like or well cut him loose because like. They're owed a lot of money, one, and McCaskies love to finish out contracts, two. And, like, you can you can argue about Mark Tressman. You can argue about Le- Lovey Smith. You can argue about John Fox, right? But you can, you can say one thing about those three coaches. It didn't work. That's why they fired him. The only reason why, the, why Ro- Matt Ro- – oh, sorry. Mixing up the names now. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are in this building right now is because the ownership thinks that they can turn this entire ship around. Well, what ownership is that? It's a 90-year-old woman and a 52-year-old son of hers that are running this team. So, I mean, do you trust this ownership or do you trust our front office? That's the entire situation this entire Bears team is headed. Like, you know, I think if your front office is like, like if you gave your keys to the jungle, to the GM, Ryan Pace, and you firmly believe that that president of football operations title is his title, then the ownership shouldn't get involved. But then I read the article about this Bears team or this Bears ownership could be hesitant if Pace wants to move up and they could avoid that, right? Then why did you give him the president of football operations title? So it's just like a an entire clusterfuck since – they fired Lovey Smith and they were they weren't able to like get the get guys like George McCaskey out, get guys like Ted Phillips out. You can tell me all you want about Ted Phillips not being involved in, in football operations. Come on, guys. He's the CEO of the team. Of course he is. Like the guy's been with the organization for over 30 years. You really think that he's not gonna be the chief executive officer of the Chicago Bears? Think again. He is, he controls the franchise. You know what's interesting about McCaskey and Ted Phillips and Brian Pace discussed them in the press conference today. He basically talked about how, hey, Ted and George know what's going on. It's my job to make sure that there's solid communication between everything in the building because anything and everything football runs through three people at Hallisall. Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips, and then George McCaskey. So when Pace said today, he's like, oh, it's my job to make sure every." Everyone knows what's going on. Uh, 
you have some people that are going to take that comment as, oh, Ryan's just informing Ted and George, this is what we're planning to do. This is where we're at as a franchise. When in reality, you know that they have some sort of say in it. They have Mm -hmm. some sort of say in it. And these are guys that, again, we've established this, are not exactly football guys. When I look at the other half of it, I also realize that, let's be real, man. How many, and I said this on the Bear Report Picks for Pace podcast yesterday, how many guys on, and think of it this way, how many players have been drafted on day two or day three that have gone on to be franchise caliber quarterbacks? I mean, I can name two guys over the last decade or so and that's russell wilson in 2012 and dak prescott in 2016 and again those are both guys that the cowboys and seahawks just kind of lucked into i will let you go in a moment sam i had someone else tell me what about kirk cousins he was whatever fifth round pick but the reality of the situation man is it's just like a lot of these mid-round guys you can't bank on them being franchise caliber starters and especially for the bears oh gardner Minshew's is another one not a franchise guy has been serviceable but has had so many ups and downs he's not going to be a guy that's going to get it done for the bears let me touch on kellen mon here kellen mon's interesting because he because he has everything it takes to be a solid quarterback in this league but you know what his biggest issue is is he's consistently inconsistent and i'll let you guys answer this question for our listeners here where have we heard a quarterback that has got everything it takes to be a really good starter in the NFL, all the physical tools, all the traits, but the inconsistency just game to game, play to play hurts him so much. Where have we heard that before? That's Mitch Trubisky. That's Mitch Trubisky. So when I see Bears fans telling me, oh, Kellen Mond this, Kellen Mond that, I don't buy into it. He got the shirt. He got the MVP, Mitch Trubisky. You remember that guy, like, uh, after the game, he's like, oh, the, the Nickelodeon MVP goes to Mitch Mitch Trubisky. He actually said his name wrong, dude. Anyways, go ahead, you said. Funny as fuck. But that's what I'm saying, dude. And quite frankly, well, just, we kind of move on here to our NFL draft talk, and I pull my um outline up so I can know where we're at. It's ultimately just like, it's just like, it's, it's so confusing, dude, because I'm all for, and I wrote this in an article on Bear Report today. I was like, look, I'm all for taking a quarterback in the first round and then doubling down and taking another one because Ryan Pace did say, hey, the experience that we have in the quarterback room is going to allow, or it's ideal for a young player to enter. The Bears are better equipped to develop a young quarterback in 2021 than they were in 2017. But again, for all you guys that are, Super confused that, okay, the Bears might take Kellen Mond or Davis Mills or Kyle Trask at 20. And I said this, the Bears are a really trash organization, but they're not dumb enough to reach for one of those guys at 20. Absolutely not. Um, I actually wanted to bring up something really quick on the day two quarterbacks because you actually brought it up really nicely, you said. So this is where my little research comes in. I researched uh, all day two quarterbacks, so round two and round three, that have been taken between 2020 and 2015. Um and let me pull up this list real quick. Okay, you ready for this? Since 2015, up to 2020, the second and third round quarterbacks that have been taken are Jalen Hurts, Drew Locke, Will Greyer, Mason Rudolph, Deshaun Kaiser, Davis Webb, CJ Beathard, Christian Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, Cody Keisler, Garrett Grayson, and Sean, I don't even know how to say this. I think it's been it's M-A-N-N-I-O-N. Manion. Thank you. Have any of those guys had long-term success in the NFL? No. So taking a day two quarterback as the plan to basically be like, hey, we have this guy that we got in the second round who's got some potential. I'm not saying second round quarterbacks can't hit. 
Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round quarterback in 2014. He got to a Super Bowl, not obviously on his own terms, but still was on a Super Bowl team. Derek Carr has been pretty successful for the most part. But still, you look at these second-round quarterbacks that are taken, and the reality is it's just it's not really a great option for the Bears. So Mm -hmm. to kind of emphasize your point you said, either take a quarterback in the first round or don't do it at all, honestly, or take a guy late or do both. Like, I'm okay with the Bears taking two quarterbacks if one's a first-round pick and one's a – Two twenty-one in the sixth round guy. Like that's a good move for me. And I, I agree with that point. But if you look at the history of these day two quarterbacks, most of them don't end up being very successful in the NFL. Some have found some success moderately, but if you're talking about the Chicago bears who have struggled to find a franchise quarterback for so long, making a move at two in, th- in the second round and thinking that's the plan doesn't usually work out. I want to move on from that, but I just figured I would bring that up since we were talking about it. But let's move on to something else. Well, I mean, here's here's my thing about this whole mid-round, second, and third-round QBs, and I'll make it really quick, less than a minute here. And it's just like, you know, I don't really – like, you're just risking your future on that guy. And if it doesn't pan out, you're back in the draft again, finding another quarterback. So it's just like the Bears have done that before. Like, I mean, like, I don't know if they drafted your quarterback in the second or third round, but they've they've drafted guys like David Fales, project guys that they never, like, you know – like, you know, developed and stuff. Like, I don't even know there was any room for David Fails or guys like that to develop or anything. So, I mean, you know, in the last two decades, it's fair to say that, like, the Bears haven't even, like, like tried to get their back position solidified. So, I mean, like, they signed guys at free agency, like, back in 2000, I think, nine it was. They signed Josh McCown. He sucked that NFC Championship game. And then two or three years later, we signed him. And then he goes on this crazy run, right? 13 touchdowns and one interception run, right? And then he gets signed by a team. He gets his money, right? That season is how Josh McCown got his money. But anyways, the whole point is that, like, the Bears have got to stop doing that. they got to stop, like, depending on free agency to get these young quarterbacks. Go out and draft your backup. You know what I mean? Like, and they didn't do that for the last um for the last two de- uh, the last two decades, right? Like, they they didn't get insurance for Jay Cutler. They depended on Caleb Haney and Todd Collins for like th- two three years, right? Uh, same thing for Mitch Trubisky, right? Chase Daniels. What is he gonna fucking do? He's not gonna do shit, bro. He sucks. All right. And then what you do again is you get Nick Foles and you back him up with Tyler Bray, who has a fucking protected pra- practice squad spot. Why, bro? Why? All these, all Dude. these, one, one second though, all these decisions are just retarded. I'm sorry to use that word, but it's just stupid. All right. Like they're not even trying to like solidify their future or trying to even draft the first round quarterback. They're like, okay, let's go get a quarterback in the third round and see if it sticks. It's not going to fucking stick. Kellen Mond may be good, but he's not NFL good. Like, come on. This, this guy's going to be swallowed up by defensive ends that guys are showing pressures and stuff. And, like, people think that, like, college and NFL is so, so – no, it's not, bro. Like, uh, you're going to see Kellen Mond not play a single snap next year. I guarantee you that. Uh, here's, here's my whole take about this. And, obviously, you guys know I've been very adamant about how in Chicago everyone blames the quarterback. As soon as things start to break down, who's the punching bag? It's the quarterback. Whether it's Mike Glennon or Jay Cutler or Mitch Trubisky or Chase Daniel or Tyler Bray, whether it's Brian Hoyer, Matt Barkley, whoever it is, 
But the bigger issue here is this, and people have to understand that just because a quarterback might be drafted on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday of this week, it's not going to change my outlook on the franchise. And why? Because the people that are running the show, you have Ryan Pace, you have Matt Nagy, you have Ted Phillips, George McCaskey. They've consistently made the same mistake over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the issue isn't even Pace, McCaskey, and Ted Phillips. The bigger issue here is Matt Nagy. Look, I said this all the time the last two offs, the last two seasons. And Bears fans, because you wanted to make the quarterback a punching bag, you just refused to listen. The quarterback was an issue, but you know what else was an issue? Your offensive line, your running game, your wide receiver. No one was producing outside of Allen Robinson. Who does that fall on? That falls on coaching. You spent the 2018 and 2019 offseason to bring in players that were going to fit what you were trying to build around Mitch Trubisky. But you know what you didn't do? You didn't build around him. Then in 2020, you decided to trade a fourth-round pick and guarantee $21 million to Nick Foles. And then you had guys, and then when you benched Trubisky, you brought Nick Foles for seven games. That experiment totally failed. Then after the season, your best player on offense and your second best player on the roster and Allen Robinson, he was going on Chris Collinsworth's show and basically trashing how having a two QB system was completely an issue. And the sad part about the 2020 season wasn't even the six-game losing streak. It was just the fact that as soon as they went back to Trubisky, things magically all of a sudden started clicking. And why did they start clicking? One, because they played weaker defenses. But number two, because the players that were starting were brought in specifically to build around Mitch Trubisky. But ultimately what Nagy didn't do was fit the scheme to Mitch Trubisky's strengths. So Thursday night, man, Friday night, look, draft the Kellen Mond, draft the Justin Fields, draft the Trey Lance. That's not going to matter though, unless you can continue to build around the quarterback and specifically fit the scheme to build around the quarterback. Because why? Josh Allen was being labeled as a bust. People had questions about Lamar Jackson, but why have those two teams been able to make it work? Why? Even Kyler Murray, man. Kyler Murray was so questionable coming out of college. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. Ba- Baker yeah, lights Baker it up. His- Baker Mayfield was as, as good as the prospect coming out of Oklahoma, man. So, have- so, Baker was good coming out of Oklahoma, but ultimately those names I just mentioned. Why did Baker all of a sudden? Why did Baker all of a sudden experience a career revival in 2020? Because they finally built the system around him with Kevin Stefanski did. So that's what I'm alluding to. So when you look at when you look at Allen and Jackson, Kyler Murray, um, Baker Mayfield, even these guys are these guys they're now successful because the teams built the offense to fit what they could do, and they were patient. The Bears have not been that with rookie quarterbacks, so it's just like, why should I put any faith into anything that Pace or Nagy is going to do? No, uh, before I'll let you go here, Sam, in one second. I love that point, and let me just make it clear. Like, I, I, I agree. Like, that the only the only interruption I had in that was Baker Mayfield being ready to come out as a fit first overall pick back then. That's fine. But the second thing that you said, you said is that like the coaching matters, right? The, the scheme fit matters and the offensive fit matters. What Nagy's trying to do, and you can dispute this all you want, guys, he's literally taking what Andy Reid's doing in Kansas City and trying to make it work with Mitch. It's not going to work, man. There's no way Mitch is Patrick Mahomes or anything. And, like, I agree. In 2017, I didn't look at Patrick Mahomes' scout book and be like, oh, he's going to be he's gonna be that guy that throws 50 touchdowns two years later. I didn't see no that. All right? No, right. One no one did. Right? And I agree with that. And that's fine. Right? But you just can't do something that Andy, Reed's, Andy Reid or Chip Kelly do so good in the spread offense. 
those two coaches do so well. Like if you remember Chip Kelly, he uh, Andy Reid back in Philly, he did it with Andy Reid. No, oh, what, what the fuck am I saying? He did it with uh, Michael Vick, right? And now he's doing the same thing with Michael Vick, except Patrick Mahomes has a better arm than Michael Vick does. So, I mean, it, you just can't take another team, another team's philosophy and try to make it stick with this team. We don't have the same talent as the Chiefs do. We don't have the same talent as the Buffalo Bills do or the Tampa Bay Bucks do. We we are the Chicago Bears. We have like three or four offensive playmakers. There, one is a wide receiver. Well, two are wide receivers. One's a running back, and now the other the other one is a quarterback. And Andy Dalton, I guess. I mean, I don't know if he's a playmaker, but you know that's the thing. You have to be able to you know create your own identity. And and, and in like three years that Matt Nagy's been here, he has failed to create an identity. But Kevin Stefanski, the first year in Cleveland, he was able to create an identity with Baker, Baker, and and with his number one receiver injured, OBJ. Right, he was able to scheme his number two receiver in Jarvis Landry to make him the safety blanket wide receiver. Why? Because Kevin Stefanski is smarter than Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is an idiot, dude. He's an idiot. But AJ, they came up with Club Dub. What do you mean? They have Club Dub, man. They jump around and they fall in my room, man. Culture. They're collaborating. They're collaborating. I don't care about collaborating. You guys want to stick in mediocrity for like years and years and years, but you don't want to win these games, man. You know, an interesting thought just came to my mind. No one does Club Dub better than Indian or Pakistani weddings. Let me just say that for the record. But, dude, my point is this. is It's ultimately it just comes down to, like, look, y'all talk about people. Here's the thing, and we'll move on to the third overall pick here and how that pertains to the Bears draft in just a moment. But, like, people talk about the Browns and the Jets being incompetent. But let's be real, dude. The Bears aren't, like, or people talk about the Browns and Jets as being mediocre. But the Browns and Jets aren't even mediocre, man. The Bears are just like, and the Bears aren't even mediocre at this point. The Bears are just downright incompetent because you're one of the most valuable franchises in the NFL. There's a significance behind the brand name Chicago Bears, and yet you continue to make the same mistakes. But moving on here, we know Sunday night this report came out. The 49ers are down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Monday morning, another report comes out less than 12 hours later saying, Kyle Shanahan wants one guy, but the scouting department wants Trey Lance. Sam, I'll go to you. Do you think the Bears draft and whether they trade up hinges on the third overall pick? Yes, yes, yes. That is what I have in my notes here. I have a couple math equations for you. If Lance goes third overall, that equals either Fields or potentially getting Jones later. If Jones goes third, which is the best case scenario, that equals Fields and Lance. And if Fields goes third, then it equals Lance and potentially Jones late. I absolutely believe that the quarterback that the 49ers take will impact how the Bears play because there are a lot of quarterback needy teams not named the Chicago Bears that are Mm -hmm. eyeing what the 49ers are going to do. All eyes Mm -hmm. are going to be on the 49ers. Unless the Jets or the Jaguars do something completely ridiculous, we know who's going first and second overall. It's that third pick that is going to be the most polarizing. Let me tell you something. I have absolutely no idea who's going to go three. I don't think anyone truly knows who's going to go three overall. I think, in all honesty, if Justin Fields drops out of the top five, it will absolutely change how the Bears are going to draft. Because if you can get a Justin Fields or you can get a Trey Lance, you now have a piece that you can truly build around for the next couple of years. It may mean that you have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy again, but again, that's regardless of point. We all know that. But I think the thing is, is that the Bears aren't going to have a true set plan in my mind 
until the number three overall pick gets taken. Because once a quarterback is taken to three, you now have to start evaluating in a very short span of time what team are we going to try to trade up with. Again, I think uh, Luke Berry, friend of the pod, and I know uh, you said you were just on his new show, uh, Monster Lounge, talked about this a little bit about how a couple things need to go the right way and certain guys need to go to certain things in order for the Bears to move up. I am going to finish my point here because I'm just going to kind of keep reiterating myself and I'll go to one of you guys. But to answer your question, absolutely 100%, the third overall pick who is taken there is going to impact how the Bears get aggressive in this draft and if they're going to get aggressive at all. And they're either going to end up with the fourth or fifth best offensive tackle or a cornerback at 20 or Justin Fields and Trey Lance within the top 10. Uh, I'm going to go to one of you guys, but that's my thoughts. See, I mean, you know, I agree with you, Sam. You know, I'm going to try to cool myself down, get myself a whiskey here. <laughs> but, like, wow, that's good. <clears throat> but, like, that's what I think. I mean, like, you know, I really think San Francisco is looking how the Bears are going to draft. And um, it's it's scary. I mean, like, you know, I'm going to go into this Thursday right now. We're sitting on a Tuesday tomorrow and then uh, Tuesday, Thursday. So it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared and stuff but anyways you know i just think that like you know if like you said sam if justin fields falls out of the top five that's when ryan pace has got to pick up the phone he's got to call cincinnati he's got to call miami and he's got to call whoever's at seven and eight and if that if that trade is true with new england right moving up to eight with, with where carolina is call them i mean it doesn't hurt to call so, and if you really want Justin Fields, right, you will part with the future. You will part with the next second, first round picks because that's the guy that you have to hope. Like this, this is going back to your point. You say this, you have to hope it works out. If you're going to trade up for Justin Fields, if Justin Fields busts in Chicago, then it's something, something's wrong with the organization. That's all I got to say. I mean, there's plenty of things wrong with the organization, but I see what you mean. Um, you said, I'll go to you with this because, I mean, I have nothing else to add. I think absolutely it impacts them. Well, number one, I think that I don't buy into the Mac Jones or Trey Lance at third overall. And the reason being because it could all be a smokescreen for the 49ers to kind of go ahead and say, hey, we're solidifying for sure Justin Fields. And I do know for a fact that Mac, well, not even Mac Jones, but Kyle Shanahan had a bit of a say in what Trey Lance and Justin Fields did at their pro days because Shanahan specifically had workouts set aside for both quarterbacks to kind of see, does this guy fit our system? But ultimately, look, I think that someone in the 49ers organization must have leaked that tidbit because teams operate in secrecy. I mean, Mm -hmm. 2017, and I hate bringing the 2017 draft up again and again, but that draft is going to impact the outlook of the NFL for the next 10 to 15 years. I mean, even longer because when we talk about this generation of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is going to be in there. You know who won't be in there, though? Mitch, well, Mitch Trubisky is going to be talked about in a lesser extent, and people are always going to make fun of the Bears. But ultimately, the point is this, is the fact that someone in the 49ers organization must have leaked that tidbit because you don't just magically and randomly leak a tidbit like that, like 9 PM on a Sunday night. I mean, there's just someone must have said something. Now I actually want the 49ers to draft Mac Jones, Mm -hmm. not because 
that means Justin Fields is magically falling to the Bears or something. And I did write this on the Windy City that Justin Fields, the stars are aligning for him to end up in Chicago. But the reason I want Mac Jones to go to the 49ers is so that Kyle Shanahan can be successful with him. And Bears fans right now are like, oh, we're going to laugh at Kyle Shanahan, which is like, be real, dude. Your, your, your organization hasn't developed a damn quarterback in decades. All right. You know what? Kyle Shanahan, who, by the way, was drafted – hired a year before Nagy should have hired Kyle Shanahan that offseason instead of keeping John Fox for an extra year. And yeah. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have actually been to the Super Bowl, which it's like, what has Pace done in seven years? I mean, not even want a playoff game, but Kyle Shanahan, dude, Kyle Shanahan making it work with Mac Jones would be the biggest middle finger to the rest of the NFL, as yeah. well as to the Bears fans. Because, I mean, the 49ers got two-thirds and an extra fourth out of Ryan Pace five years ago. Here they moved up and they draft a guy that everyone's considering to be like a second, third-round pick. But ultimately, making it work with Mac Jones, dude, it would be the biggest laughing stock to all the Bears fans right now on social media that are like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? Like, I'm going to laugh at Kyle Shanahan's face if they take Mac Jones at third overall. But if it ends up working, then the Bears are going to be the losers on the outside. And if Fields busts in Chicago, like you mentioned, AJ, it's going to be the most Bears thing ever. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, like, you know, and I'll go to Sam after this. I mean, we changed the rotation of this podcast, and I do apologize. It's my fault. Uh, like, you know, I mean, to me, I think it's Trey Lance. I think it's someone that's going to fit tri- uh, Kyle Shanahan's system. I mean, like, I keep going back to the example that he coached RG3 for a couple of years. And, like, I get it that he coached guys like Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, and all of that. But you know what Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins have? They have the ability to go outside of the pocket and make a play, right? Mac Jones does, too. Trey Lance does it better, right? Trey Lance, like, that's that's what Kyle Shanahan is trying to do. He's trying to get his RG. I think he's trying to get his RG3. And, like, the RG3 that he's going to get, I think, is Trey Lance. I think that whole thing is sold on Trey Lance. But, you know, guys, there's one thing that San Francisco 49ers don't have. Wide receiver number one. Don't be surprised if they just just ran to the podium for Jamar Chase. Because, yeah. like, you know, that would be a good pick. And if they find a way to make the mechanics and stuff work with um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, then, I mean, they could just get a second-round quarterback or a third-round quarterback, sit behind Garoppolo and just groom him and then cut Garoppolo the next year and then have Jamie Newman or whoever is available come in. I mean, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers can do a lot of different things. And that's one of the needs that people are missing, that they need a wide receiver one to go with Debo Samuel and all of that. Because Debo Samuel is attracting double teams. The safety comes from top and the cornerback defends him. So, I mean, you know, it's just going to like it's going to be interesting on Tuesday. Uh, sorry, not Tuesday, that's Thursday, right. you know. I'm losing a track of days and stuff. Tough week at work last year and this week, last week and this. See, I'm all over the place. Last week and this week. So uh, just want to watch some football, you know, just something in football. I don't care if it's Roger Goodell's flat base announcing the picks for the first for, uh, for the first 60 picks or whatever. Just want to see some football. But I want to see smart decisions on this draft. Like all teams and everything, especially the Bears, dude. They got to make the smart decisions, man. That's it. Like, that's it, man. They can't. They can't just go out and reach for someone. If they do, that's going to be really bad. Like, oh, 
And well, I, I think, you know what, I think would be a smart decision for the Green Bay Packers would be to take another running back to get behind A.J. Dillon. So I agree with you. They don't need anybody else. I mean, if they get, like, Travis Etienne, oh, my God, yo. Oh, um, my God. And all, all jokes aside, I, I think the thing is, is I like the point that you brought up, A.J., about maybe taking a receiver at three. I, I think the Niners are a team that was plagued pretty heavily by injuries last year and still yeah. success. Yeah, sure. That is credit to the guys that were there and credit to the coaching staff as well. I think a fully healthy 49ers team potentially contends for that division because um, I don't think the Seahawks are that good and um, I don't think the Cardinals are that good either. I think the, the Rams might be a little bit legit and might take a year or two with Stafford, but I think the Niners can still compete in that division with a fully healthy team. But I think the thing for me is obviously if an opportunity is there to trade for Justin Fields or Trey Lance, you get it, right? But I think the reality of it is all is like, to kind of use that point, it could just all be smokescreen, right? Mm-hmm. And if Fields gets taken at three, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm going to be like, well, that was fun while it lasted. It's it's one of those things where you get to the point as a Bears fan, don't get your hopes up, right? Yeah. We got our hopes up with Russell Wilson. We got our hopes up with all these other situations. Got our hopes up in 2018. Like, don't get your hopes up until it actually happens. So I obviously am going to be watching on Thursday night with great interest. I'm going to be very, very excited. I have uh, I have made multiple graphics for who the Bears are going to take in the first round, and six of them are with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, so I'm hoping I get to use one of those. But if not, I mean, the Bears are in an okay spot at 20 to take a decent tackle. If they take a corner, I'm, I mean, I'll still be okay with it. It's still going to be a frustrating pick there. But the reality is, is like no one knows what the Niners are going to do except the 49ers. And, and whether that means that Justin Fields is available later or not is great, but – I'm hoping and praying the Bears play this smart and be patient, but knowing Chicago, that's not the case. So we'll see on Thursday, I guess. What I'll say is this, is that I think, and Sam, you brought up the point of an offensive tackle or quarterback. First things first, they better do not take Caleb Barley because the guy has back issues. Don't take that guy, dude, because he already has his back injuries. And if he gets hit in the back, he's going to be done for football. Dude, do not take Caleb Barley. Like I saw that report you said, do not touch Caleb Barley because those back injuries can be really, really like pesky and and all that stuff. But continue. JC Horn, Patrick Sertain, I think are both going to be gone within the top 15. I don't want Greg Newsom either, even though he's a local Northwestern kid. I will say this much, though. Do not go defense in round one, Mm -hmm. just because the reality of the situation is that you have too much invested into the defensive side of the ball. And for me, the big thing is this, is it's a pass-happy league. It's an offensive-happy league, so invest in your offensive line. So if the Bears get a guy like Tevin Jenkins, let's say a 20th overall, or Derisaw Slips, for example, or Rashawn Slater, I won't be mad at that. If they go wide receiver, I'm not necessarily going to be mad either because, again, you're investing in the offense, and the Chiefs did this for years and years and years. They invested in the offense at the expense of the defense. Ultimately, what needs to happen is that the Bears are kind of in a win-win situation here. The only way they lose this is if they like trade up for a dummy like Mac Jones, which I don't want Mac Jones either. We've discussed him. Mac Jones right now, dude, is the exact opposite of Mitch Trubisky in such a bad way. And what I mean by that is one guy was a great athlete, but just wasn't right up here. The other guy is a trash athlete or a mediocre athlete, but can actually do is actually right up here because he can like read a defense. Like that's Mac Jones and Mitch Trubisky exactly opposite prospects, but 
I mean, let's talk about it here. You know, another thing is this, is you talk about trades within the top 10. Carolina and the Patriots, they have a potential trade according to Sports Illustrated's very own Albert Breer. AJ, I'll go to you on this one. What do you think, man? I mean, is this something we should be concerned about? Because the Panthers, they have their quarterback for the next two years. They're trying to unload Teddy Bridgewater because they're guaranteeing $25 million to Sam Darnold. The Patriots just reloaded all around Cam Newton, but you would think that they're possibly going to be looking for a guy like Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely. I mean, I agree with you. You say, um, you know, I think New England is going to move up for a quarterback for their future. And I think, like, if a guy like Justin Fields slides down, that's their guy. And if, like, someone is going to give them a damning offer to move down, then that's going to be their new quarterback or a guy like Mac Jones. I mean, you know, for New England, it's not like like they're just a terrible franchise. You know what I mean? Like they can plug and play players and they can try to get like a Mac Jones at eight or whatever it is. If if the first four quarterbacks are gone. And then if, if the best one available is Mac Jones then they'll go with that and have Cam Newton be that, um, have that, have that veteran presence and then have Mac Jones sit a little bit and then have Mac Jones take over in 2022. You know, I mean, like I, I really think that like, you know, it could happen. I mean, you know, like the Patriots rate down, what are they at? 11 or 10? 15. 15? Yeah, 15. So, I mean, like if, if David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers or whoever the GM is, is like, all right, you know, they have to move on from Teddy Bridgewater. And like, you know, I've come to a whole realization that like, you know, I thought they were going to start Teddy Bridgewater, but you know, I did some thinking, I did some research, you know, they're trying to unload him to like a team like Denver or something like that for like a mid round pick because the salary expectation for Teddy Bridgewater was he signed a three year, $60 million deal last year. And then the salary for this year is 25 million. So, I mean, Carolina, they might find, Oh, find it more easier to unload Teddy Bridgewater than we do as to unload Nick Foles because his contract is 100% guaranteed. So it's going to be really hard to move Nick Foles. But the Panthers, what they can do is they could flip Teddy Bridgewater to New England. So that way they have their guy, but it's not their guy. It's like it's, it's going to be like that. Remember the Browns, um, the Browns, Texans trade of Brock Osweiler? Something yeah. like that. It, it was just to shed the salary on the Browns side because the Browns made a terrible decision. They signed him to a four-year $81 million deal and it didn't work out. And they shipped him off to Texans. I think, no other way around Texans yeah, signed him. And then the, then the Texans some shipped him off to do to, to the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think something like that for Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater is in the air, but in terms of like new England moving up to eight, I think that's one of the things that the Panthers are going to have to do. They're going to have to deal with, um, Teddy Bridgewater's contract because they just gave a shit ton of money to Sam Darnold, who I think isn't good, but you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. You know, he has a fresh start. He's got weapons around him. He's got probably arguably the best running back behind him, like four and a half yards behind him. So, I mean, you know, who knows if Sam Darnold can get his career back on track in Carolina, but you know, then again, I really do think new England's going to move up in the top 10. And I do think it's either going to be Carolina and hold on to your hats. Or Miami. I here's my thought. The only reason why I don't think this move with Carolina is going to happen is because Bill Belichick operates in silence. Yeah, they, they, people know what Belichick's thinking. He's not going to do it. Do I think that the Patriots might move up? Sure. Do I think they're going to move up with Miami? 
maybe does Miami want to trade with a divisional rival? So I think the team that my, that we should be more concerned about is Detroit. Detroit's in a position where they have a new GM and a new head coach, and they're looking to just kind of start building that roster. They have Jared Goff for the next at least year or two. So they could just, I mean, they could acquire more assets and be able to just pick the best player at 15, right? That opens up potentially Carolina for the Bears at eight, depending on who the Patriots would take at seven, or it means the Bears might have to get aggressive and try to go up to six. So yes, the reports were concerning because obviously if the Patriots get up to eight, you're in the Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones range. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just don't think that the New England would leak something like that because again, Belichick operates in silence. He does not let anyone know what's going on in his side of his head. And I think that holds true to today. I, I just don't believe that he would leak something like that, which makes me think that he's going to try to go for the seven, you know, maybe six, but I just don't know if they would be willing to trade with a divisional rival. And again, it kind of comes up again when the when people are saying, oh, well, the Bears should trade up to seven. Do the Detroit Lions really want to give their they won't seventh do it. overall pick to take a quarterback that they're going to see for the next 15 years potentially? No, I think it's the same thing with Miami, right? So if you're the Bears, and New England does somehow get into the top 10, you either need to try to figure out if you can get to six, throw everything you can at four, or maybe try to get to eight if you want to trade up. Again, I think if New England gets to seven, you're probably running out of options there at that point. Yeah. But again, Patriots operate in silence, so who knows? I just don't think that's going to happen. That's the thing, that's the thing Sam. Like, like I, you know, I mean, like maybe my, Miami was a little bit too far-fetched, but like, you know, I think Detroit – could be a guy, uh, could be a team. Maybe, maybe even like if, if if Belichick and guy, like I don't know who the new GM of the uh, the Patriots is, but it's some guy. But he, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Patriots are probably like, fuck it, let's go get our guy for the future, sitting behind Cam Newton, and see what happens. You know, the Patriots are in a position that they can give up stuff and they still can recoup it back. That's the thing about the Patriots organization. Like they move in silence, like Sam says. I mean, like I. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they even moved up into like to to up like five. I mean, did anyone think they were going to spend the money that they spent this year in the off season? I didn't. Yeah, I and mean, I, I've never yeah. seen Belichick be such a spender before, and with that, with what they did this. Just think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You guys, you got they got Jonu Smith, right? They got Nikhil Harry, right? They got they got um the other guy. The, I can't remember his name. He's Hunter Jacob, Henry. Hunter Henry, and then Jacob something. Um, Myers, I think. Um, and then they have the running backs. So it's not like the Patriots are going to be bad. I mean, I think that like if they can get a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you know, I think like you know if that that just puts a nail in the coffin for Chicago at that point, and it puts you know? a nail in the coffin for probably the rest of the league for the next yeah. years. Because if New England gets one of these two guys, I I guarantee you. One of these two two guys are probably going to tell, "Hey, Cam Newton, sit down. Let me go play." And it's going to be one of these two because Bill. I, I don't know, man. Sam, you're right. You you raise a really really great point there because what if New England picks up the phone call phone right and say if the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock right trade up two first round picks a second and a third and a fourth New England Patriots select. Justin Fields, you know, I would fucking kill myself, dude. That because if the Patriots can trade up, why the fuck can the Bears can't trade up? What about you know what you know what my biggest fear is, and I said this on the Monsters 
lounge podcast last night with my guys, with our guys, Lucas Berry and Joe Gaither. Go follow them on Twitter as well. What I said was this, is that the Patriots last year, they brought in Cam Newton, and obviously they had never had a quarterback of Cam Newton's caliber because Tom Brady Mm -hmm. was there for so long. But Mm -hmm. Newton and Brady are two completely different players. You know who's not a completely different player from Cam Newton? Justin Fields, because Justin Fields essentially is being labeled as Cam Newton light. And the reason I bring that up is because my whole thing is this is I think that the Patriots legitimately spent the 2020 offseason using Cam Newton as kind of an experimental project or just an experiment to see, hey, what kind of offense could we run if we land Justin Fields next year? Like, just think about it for a second, dude. Well, the rest of the league but, is but playing. Is, like Cam had a Linz Frank injury. Take it, take it, take a step back from his MVP year when Cam won MVP in 2015. That's the year that you're looking off of him fully healthy, him being able to throw the ball with incredibly amount of velocity. That 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 season that he took Carolina from a five and eleven record to a fifteen and one thing. That's that's the whole thing you're seeing with Justin Fields. I the, right now the Cam Newton product you're seeing. He's out of his prime. He's not even playing like like Carolina Clint Cam Newton. He's not Superman Cam or, a, anymore or anything. Like I just think that like you know like if you get Justin Fields, it's gonna be a fresh quarterback, non injury and stuff. But like I just think that like this whole Cam with this Linz Frank injury, it really hurt him. So I mean like if you compare him, I would just compare him from the Carolina days or like the best year that he had with Carolina. You know what I mean? You say I mean. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, like maybe, maybe they did experiment a little bit, but like if you compare it from the whole Carolina days, I think Justin Fields can fit it better if he was healthy and he was able to throw and he had protection. Yeah, that's definitely true. But so I just think something, something is up here, man. And I ultimately I agree. think I agree. you're right. I agree. What's going to happen is another report came out today that the Dolphins, if Panay Wolf falls to six, they're going to take Sewell at six. So the Bears have to understand, dude, their hands are really – people don't realize how much the Bears' hands are tied here because num- number four is a bit of a reach, although it's certainly an option. Number five, you know that the Bengals are going to stand pat and take either Sewell or Jamar Chase. And then number six, the Dolphins, okay, they might trade out. Hopefully Sewell goes to – the Cincinnati Bengals, but I just have an ink uh, feeling that what's going to end up happening there is that they're going to take Jamar Chase. And then number seven, the Lions aren't going to make a division trade. So the Bears and Panthers make sense. Another team that's been floated would be the Denver Broncos. They want some veteran competition for Drew Locke. They, everything that's coming out of Denver is basically conveying to the point that, hey, Drew Locke is, or they're not going to draft a rookie quarterback. They want veteran competition. That's why Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew have been mentioned. I seriously think that the Bears are either trading up to six, dude, or to nine. Those are the one of the two spots because you have to jump the Patriots here. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, go ahead, Sam. My bad. I don't have anything. I mean, this point, it's it's just waiting to see what happens on Thursday. I, I agree with those points. I I wrote an article for Fansided about Bears moving up to six. Um, I think four is completely out of reach for most teams at this point, um, unless a team within ten is going to try to move up there. But yeah, I think nine or six is probably the best options for the Bears. Should things fall well, again, you need to see if it if guys fall to a certain place and obviously this all rides on who the Niners take a quarterback at three because if they take Justin Fields that leaves you pretty much with moving up for Trey Lance or waiting to see if Mac Jones falls at 20 which again I don't think is going to happen 
which really leaves you with one other option, trading up for Trey Lance. And if that doesn't work, then you just evaluate who you can get at 20. But again, it's all rides on what the Niners do at three. Again, dude, my whole thing is this as we kind of begin to close this thing out is Ryan Pace has tried to trade up or has at least traded up with every single first round pick he's had. Tried to trade up in 2015, tried to trade up in 2018. That didn't work. Stood pat and drafted Kevin White and Roquan Smith. 2016, 2017, you traded up for Leonard Floyd and Mitch Trubisky. Now that you have your first first round pick in three years, I certainly think a trade up is coming. I just don't see a scenario where they stand pat. I think that the bears might even trade up for a non quarterback prospect. If the dominoes really fall in that direction. But then again, you can't bank on the dominoes falling in your direction. Ultimately, man, it's just going to be an interesting Thursday night because I think that if the bears trade up, they're going to do so and give up their 2021 first and third round pick. They're probably going to keep that second round pick. And if they do, then at that point you're picking up 52 in the second round. So then you're going to have to trade back, hopefully get a third or fourth round pick back because the bears need the draft capital badly, despite having eight draft selections. So it's really going to hinge on what goes down at 20th overall. That's going to determine how the rest of the draft lays out. And I know it sounds like a generic statement, but teams can go one direction in round one. And then because they have draft capital, because they don't have a terrible roster, an aging roster, or they're not strapped for salary cap space, they can afford to pivot in certain ways on day two and day three. The Bears aren't in that scenario, though. Yeah, I mean... You know, the Bears are in any scenarios. You know, I've been all over this podcast, all over the place in this podcast. And it's just like, you know, the Bears, they just have to like, you know, I mean, either if they stand pat, right, they're just going to have to be able to get their guy a productive starter. You know, a lot of Bears fans out there are just like, you know, looking for their productive starter because the pace has, pace has failed outside of Roquan Smith and with Leonard Floyd when we still had him. Those only two players have been our productive starters in the first round. And now Leonard Floyd's gone, so you can't count him. So it's just basically Roquan Smith. Who's been great still. Going into your sixth going into your sixth year, you have a one you have a twenty percent hit rate in the sixth in the first round. So you say I I really think that like, you know, Ryan Pace is gonna is going to trade up, but I wouldn't ex- like I wouldn't like um higher my expectations when he trades up, you know what I mean? Like he could just be like, Oh, we have a cornerback need a cornerback need, right? JC Horn, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be mad with JC Horn, but can it be like 11 or 12? If you get JC Horn at six, I will go shoot him, dude. Like that is just, that is just stupid. All right. You keep like, I mean, unless it's like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, like a prospect, like, like Patrick Peterson, that was the last complete cornerback prospect to come out of LSU, right? I think next year, Derek Stingley is going to be closest to him. But I think if you draft a cornerback, it has to, you being it to trade down from 20. Because if you draft a cornerback by trading up, oh my fucking God, man. Like, I mean, like, I agree that whole non-position thing, but what other non-position could it be? Could it be wide receiver? Like, we signed Marcus Goodwin. I mean, what could it be like offensive tackle? Well, yeah, I know that, but like other than, other than, other than, um, cornerback tackle, what could it be? Wide receiver. I mean, like, are, do we need a wide receiver that high? If we trade up and like the guys that we don't have there on the clock, like let, let's just say if we trade up and the guy above us was like, Oh, we'll, we'll just take Justin Fields right here. Just to fuck Chicago. 
And then, then they trade it up and it's just like, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, I mean, probably in the draft, it's just like, you know, I mean, like you don't trade up until you see your guy um, on the board, but if the bears trade up and then they, what, what if it, what if they're not thinking Justin Fields, if he's there, what if they're thinking like guys like JC Horner, or even, or even that Barrymore guy, the defensive tackle guy, I, I don't know. Like, I, I truly hope that the bears aren't stupid enough that if they trade up and a quarterback's there, that they go away from a quarterback. But that's, that, I'm scared of that, dude. What if they just like, Oh, we don't want Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Let's just go with a guy like JC Horner or something, or like a guy like Rashawn Slater or something like that. Like I wouldn't be mad with Rashawn Slater, but like at eight, only if only if the quarter. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think t- I think trading up twelve spots for a lineman would be a little ridiculous, but it's just gonna be one of those things. We're gonna have to wait till Thursday because I'm scared, bro. I'm just scared. That's it, guys. It's all awesome for you. I'm excited, excited, but also nervous. See, every single year that I do the NFL draft, right? Because this would be my fifth all. This would be my fifth NFL draft that I'm covering. It does get more and more exciting for me personally. I'm always excited for the draft because I have a read on what's going around with all 32, or just what's going on with all 32 teams. I did my mock draft yesterday. I actually have JC Horn going to the Cardinals or the Vikings, one of the two teams, because I believe that they do have a need. They're at cornerback. Overall, it's going to be fun and interesting, man. And if you're wondering my own opinion, the listeners, I actually have the Bears trading up to eighth overall to grab Justin Fields. I do think that he's still fast. I think what's going to happen is with because the Lions restructured Jared Goff's contract, created $15 million in cap space, the general manager of the Lions, Brad Holmes, was actually in the um, draft room when the – Rams went ahead and selected Jared Goff six or seven years ago. So I think the Lions are going to commit to Jared Goff for the next couple of years. But ultimately what will happen is the Lions taking a playmaker like Devontae Smith, for example, is going to be totally okay because that kind of opens the doors for the Bears. And then the Cowboys at 10th overall, they are going to st- – the Cowboys, with the way things are going for them is – they're going to either stand pat. They're going to stand pat at 10th overall or they're trading out. I do not see a scenario where they trade up and overpay because they're an organization that never trades up and never overpays. Yeah, man. I'm like, you know, I did say that that's the only thing I had for you guys, but like, I really do hope the bears make the right move. I mean, like it all depends on how the bar, the board falls, how other teams are affecting the bear situation or that. And like the only teams that I can think of at San Francisco at three, like you guys mentioned it, Sam mentioned San Francisco at three and another team is new England at 15. That could really ruin the bears chances. So it's just like, man, just, I mean, just jump someone. I mean, like not physically just go call a team and see if you can move up. I mean, like, you know, there's, I don't know. There's there has to be one of those teams in the top ten or top seven that wants to move down. Atlanta that wants to move down to get more picks. They have five fucking picks, dude. They have one in the first round, and then it goes all the way down to round five or four. I mean, like you don't think like I, I mean that's that's the argument. I think Kyle Pitts is the best person in this draft to draft, but Atlanta sucks. I mean their their odds of tanking next year are really high. So if you go to Kyle Pitts, you're going to have to extend him in three years after Matt Ryan's gone. And that's when you're truly competing. I think what Atlanta should do is just, um, you know, trade down, get get a couple of first round picks, get a couple of seconds, get a couple of thirds, maybe a fourth. I don't give a fuck whatever it is. Just give me Justin Fields, man. I don't, I don't care. Amen. 
Yeah, the consensus here seems to be Justin Fields or offensive tackle. So it's basically Justin Fields or bust or offensive tackle. And we still are probably going to be disappointed. But guys, we're at the one hour mark. So we are going to get out of here. The next time you hear from us, we're actually going to be under a totally different name. That's going to be an exciting move that we're going to announce on Monday, May 3rd. My Twitter notifications are blowing up for whatever reason. But hey, listen, we're going to get out of here. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Koshio. Follow Sam and AJ on every single social media platform at SJSteve9 and at AJDesai4. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Barely underscore pod. Also, guys, check out Audacity, check out Audacity Sports for some great Chicago sports stickers. All right. Some really good stuff for your laptop, your phone. All right. Awesome prices. They're high quality stickers at an affordable price. They have some new stuff coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. But it's been a pleasure. We will talk to you guys next week when the Bears officially draft Justin Fields. But good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. We'll catch you guys later. Bear down, fuck this team. Bear down, fuck this team. <laughs>